reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses said to the people, Today I have said before you, life and prosperity, death and doom. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I enjoin on you today, loving him and walking in his ways, and keeping his commandments, statutes, and decrees, you will live and grow numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to occupy. If, however, you turn away your hearts and will not listen, but are led astray and adore and serve other gods, I tell you now that you will certainly perish. You will not have a long life. On the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and occupy, I call heaven and earth today to witness against you. I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life then, that you and your descendants may live by loving the Lord your God, heeding his voice and holding fast to him. For that will mean life for you, a long life for you to live on the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verum Domini. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. He is like a tree planted near running water that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff, which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. Dominus vobiscum, et 
Lexia Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. Jesus said to his disciples, The Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What profit is there for one to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit himself? Verbum Domini. We have this very dramatic scene today from Deuteronomy where Moses is at the, the edge of the promised land. You know, Joshua is going to lead them in, but he's giving these three exhortations to the people that before they, before they enter the land, these are his last words of the great prophet Moses, Moses, and that he tells them to obey the Lord, keep the covenant, Choose life. This is the path of life. The other is death and doom, life and prosperity. That if we keep, if they keep those commandments, they can live and take possession of the land. They can live the fullness of this land flowing with milk and honey. If they don't fall into idolatry, if they keep his covenant and all its statutes and requirements, you know, loving him, walking in his ways, keeping his commandments, statutes, and decrees. The Lord God will bless you in the land you are entering to occupy. They even write it, they put up on these two big rocks there as they pass across the Jordan, they write the Ten Commandments on the stone to make the point, to keep those commandments. They struggle with that corporately, their whole existence there in the Old Testament. The kings fail, the people fail to keep that, that law. And there's something in us that's raging today, that we bristle at law. Don't tell me what to do, don't tell me how to live, you know. But it's throughout the scriptures that if we submit to that law, First John puts it, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That walking this path of light, you know, walking the commandments, we have, we're united with one another, we're united with Christ. When we sin, we're walking another directions, another direction. Deuteronomy goes on to say, if you turn away your hearts and will not listen, but are led astray and adore and serve other gods, I tell you now, that you will certainly perish. That with God, with his divine law, there is human flourishing. Today, the responsorial Psalm, Psalm 1, 
the first psalm, tells us this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Those Ten Commandments, the stone tablets put in the ark, is the heart of that revelation to the Jews that they held so precious that the law is good. The law is good. It leads to human flourishing. It's a blessing. It's given to us. It's expression for, the, for our flourishing. It's an expression of God's eternal wisdom by which he governs all and leads us to human flourishing, as I mentioned. You remember in the garden after the fall, God the Father is like walking in the garden. He's crying out for them in the cool of the day, cool of the evening. He's, he's walking. It's a beautiful image that Adam and Eve, I'm, I'm used to walking with you. Where are you? What's happened? What have you done? It's a beautiful image to walk with the Lord. That divine law, and we could say today the, you know, the natural law, which we participate in that divine law through the use of reason, that's what the Ten Commandments are an expression of, helps us to know and do good. Given to us because God loves us. It restrains the wicked. We have fallen tendencies, fallen desires. We need some restraint. We need something to guide us that doesn't come from ourselves. And this law guides us to participation through knowing and loving God, you know, participation in his divine life, guiding us to supernatural perfection. But as St. Paul tells us so clearly, and we know from experience, that it's more than just obeying the law. I just can't do that in my own human effort. You know, it's just not, Jesus just isn't a teacher. It's just not a philosophy or moral philosophy, ethics, how to behave. I mean, that law guides our exterior acts but we all know we need, and Jesus tells us this in the Sermon on the Mount, that we need this interior transformation. You know, not that you just, not that, you, not only shall you not kill, but you should, you should not hate. He's aiming at the heart in the, the Sermon on the Mount. The heart needs purification. We need guidance at our very roots, at the core of ourselves, who we are. We need to be strengthened, guided, be given grace to know and to love God, as well as living the commandments themselves. In Catholic theology, we call this participation. It gives us this interior transformation, participation in the divine life. Simply put, the new law, this participation is the grace of the Holy Spirit. We see the first three commandments deal directly with God, that he is the only God. We are to honor, to worship him alone, turning us towards him and away from idolatry. <laughs> and, that, and we still say that's part of the natural law, that we know through reason, we know that God exists. So that's the, the first three commandments. The other one's relationship to our, 
our neighbors and ourselves, we could say as well. And that first one though is so key that we need to fundamentally turn towards him and away from idolatry. And I, I think we need to think of it in a broad sense because today we make idols of worldly things, we make idols of our, our egos, our self-centeredness, our way of doing it. So that turning from false idols to God makes this people, the Israelites, and us today ready to receive Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ enters into us and transforms us from within. That, and even the Israelites, in terms of their obeying the law, St. Thomas Aquinas would teach that through faith, and it's rooted in the scriptures, and a coming Messiah for our salvation, they could receive that grace that Messiah is going to win for us on the cross. And they could be faithful to that faith in a coming Messiah. So it's faith that saves us through the Paschal mystery of the Father, Son of Jesus, through his suffering, death, and resurrection. And, God, and Jesus makes this passion prediction today. The Son of Man must suffer greatly, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and the third day be raised. That is the, that is the Paschal mystery. So we are called in this gospel to follow Christ, to take up our cross. And this means the sufferings we have in this life, the difficulties we have in being faithful to our vocation in life, our responsibilities, our duties. And that's how we participate in that Paschal mystery through faith and taking up our cross and following him. He calls us to deny ourselves in order to, to save our lives. That we are to die to self, to the old Adam within us all, that fallen human nature. That old Adam has to die. We have to seek his will, thus saving our life. And Lent is a preparation for this. We enter into that temptation in the desert. We enter into that cross but is looking forward to the Easter celebration, to that celebration of his Paschal mystery in totality, death on the cross, and resurrection. That's the central mystery of our faith. And we are living that Paschal mystery liturgically in this season of Lent, so there's, and then in Easter. And there's this grace particular to these seasons for us to die to ourselves, to embrace the cross, to look upwards, upwards to his wisdom, the divine law, a wisdom beyond this fallen world. He wants us to love him, not settle into a, a disordered love of self, but to be immersed in the adoration of him, to keep our eyes on him and not ourselves. I remember one of the sisters told us that in one of the various trials of religious life, <laughs> one of our sisters up in Hansville, she said that, told us just keep our eyes on Jesus. And it was so helpful to me, you know, because we're following him. Sometimes we're wondering what we should do. What's the next step? 
Well, we follow him. In one sense, I imagine it like you're walking on a hiking trail, and you have your eyes on the back of the guy in front of you. You're following him. It's twisting, going up and down, and all this stuff. You don't know where it's going, what's around the bend. Just follow him. Adore the Lord. Keep our eyes on him. Put Christ at the center. It's a fundamental call of Christianity that we are to surrender ourselves to him in order to be transformed. Whoever, wish, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So through that surrender, that death to self, we're receiving divine life. And it is an unconditional surrender that we put the rifle down completely and totally as in war. God wants our hearts, he wants our love, and it's, it's total. And the beautiful aspect of the gospel is he could demand such a thing, he's giving us so much more. He's giving us the fullness of his love. So when we do that, we receive divine life, not more of this life, not more of whatever pleasures this world can give us, something from above, letting go of self and embracing him. That expression, to burn the ships. You know, Agamemnon, Cortez, had the men burn the ships. You're not going home, right? You're all in. You're headed to this new land of the Lord, this promised land. There is no returning to self-will. Take up our cross and follow him. That's really the only choice. Choose life, not death.